It's been a few weeks, but I'm back. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Scarlet and Gray Stripes. I'm Colton Denning, the host of Scarlet and Gray Stripes, a subset of the Two Stripes podcast. And this is the first episode I've done uh, in, what, two weeks since the Arkansas State recap, where I was pretty fired up. I'm going to be less fired up on today's show, but uh, I've been getting used to a new uh, work schedule and getting in the groove of that. Things have been pretty pretty hectic. Um, And so... Now I'm starting to finally catch a groove with that. So uh, you can be on the lookout or you should expect Scarlet and Gray Stripes after every Ohio State game. And that's what I'm here to do today. And this week, too, there will be a new episode of the Two Stripes podcast previewing uh, week five and everything else happening in college football. What an unbelievable season uh, it's been. This has been my favorite season uh, in a really long time. So far, at least, we got a long way to go, but I've had so much fun watching all the crazy shit that's happened so far in this college football season. But that's for the Two Stripes podcast. This is just to talk Ohio State here on Scarlet and Gray Stripes, uh, and let's talk about Ohio State's 52 to 21 win over Wisconsin at night in the shoe. It was a blackout. The atmosphere was really awesome. Y'all know that I love those jerseys. They're my jerseys uniforms with the black helmets the black jersey the black pants the reflective number outlines on the on the scarlet numbers i'm a real big fan of that uniform i think it's the best one they have out of their current set hot take uh until they start wearing the throwbacks again so i'm always down for a blackout game Uh, i'd actually like to see them wear that uh more than once a season because I, i really like that look but everything about uh the look and the atmosphere was great in the shoe. Loud crowd, and it certainly helps when you score 52 points and uh, do the number that Ohio State did on Wisconsin. But that was all great. And, you know, I don't have a ton of, I think, detailed thoughts about this game. It was really just kind of an old-school uh, ass-kicking when you look at it. But great teams, and I'll talk about this, I guess, more so to the to the end of the show wrapping up, but I uh, might as well just do it now, like, Great teams win games like that. You know, we if you saw a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week, Georgia played South Carolina and just like beat the brakes off of them. And your first inkling, your first inkling, your first inclination is to say like, oh, well, that's what they should do. And yeah, that's that's what really good teams uh, competing for national championships do. And is Wisconsin the even the best team in the Big Ten West? No, but they're not awful they certainly don't look great on offense which I'll talk about uh but Wisconsin is Wisconsin and to beat them by 31 points and to really just beat the brakes off them like that that's impressive uh to me that was Ohio State's most complete win in a really long while probably since 2019 uh or I guess if you want to say uh the Clemson win in 2020 that's how good I felt about this game um, so it, it, and it really just started from the jump. You look at the drives, touchdown, Ohio state, uh, the interception by Tanner McAllister on Wisconsin's first drive, touchdown, Ohio state, punt, Wisconsin, touchdown, Ohio state, punt, Wisconsin, touchdown, Ohio state, 28 to nothing. And then Wisconsin scores. But even after that, Ohio state responds, they don't score a touchdown, but they get a field goal. So what is that? One, two, three, four, their first five drives. They got 31 points. Uh, whether you're playing Wisconsin or Arkansas State or Toledo or Alabama, whoever, scoring 31 points on your first 
five drives. That'll get it done against anybody. It was just a total onslaught in the first half on both sides of the ball. Um, But what I really loved about this game before we really break down the particulars was how the second half started because Wisconsin got the ball. And if they would have scored and made it 31 to 14, do I think they have any chance of coming back? No, but there would have been that little bit of a little ray of hope that like, Oh, well, Ohio state's going to have to kind of gut this one out. But none of that happened because they just, they squashed that immediately. Wisconsin got the ball three and out and Ohio state responded with a 72 yard touchdown drive Eight plays ends with a Julian Fleming touchdown. How awesome is it to have uh, him in the lineup? And we'll talk about him in the offense here in a second. But that TD made it 38-7 to and really just right at the start of the third quarter, just put the game away. So uh, I, I'd love to see that. that. That's one thing. I don't know if it's been missing or we just haven't seen a lot from them is really just putting their foot on someone's neck. And by somebody, I mean like somebody – better than a Toledo or an Arkansas state in recent memory, like just putting a team away and, you know, making it clear to a, to a decent team, decent to good Wisconsin team. I don't know until they figure out their offense. I don't know if I'd call them good, but again, Wisconsin is Wisconsin. And to do that to them uh, is impressive. And so I love to see them really put the game away like that early. And like I said, it was, it was a complete performance. Everybody for the most part played well, on both sides of the ball. Um, he had five touchdown throws, touchdown passes from C.J. Stroud. Uh, he didn't put up like crazy numbers outside of those those five touchdowns. I, I don't, beyond a few throws, like I didn't think this was, I wouldn't say this was a top whatever five C.J. Stroud game we've seen, but he was in command of the offense and working without Jackson Smith and Jigba, like, for him to do what he did against Wisconsin's defense, uh, that's that's pretty damn special that you can look at a game like that and be like, well, CJ didn't play at his best because there were a couple throws. I think, was it on the first drive of the second half where he almost threw into to a pick six? You don't, do, you don't see him do that very often. Uh, and just a couple other kind of just rough throws, but every quarterback is going to have some high throws here and there, but... Outside of that, man, uh, C.J. Stroud was C.J. Stroud, and uh, I think it was the last touchdown to Emeka Ibuka. Like, I've, I have no idea how he fit that throw in, and anybody that can make that throw, that was pretty absurd, and there were two or three that were like that. The first touchdown to Emeka Ibuka was, uh, uh, it was like right over a linebacker's head, and he was getting pressured. You can watch it on the Skycam highlights on YouTube.com slash Colton Denning so he was still making some crazy ass throws even though it wasn't like a by his standards which is dumb to say probably when he throws for five touchdowns but I think I think you know what I mean there um but he did all that without Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh I thought Emeka Ibuka man he's really starting to I probably beyond this point starting isn't the right word like he is he's blossomed he is a legitimate threat I had a tweet yesterday that uh, he's on pace him and Marvin Harrison who didn't have the biggest game but both of those guys are on pace for over a thousand yards I'm, I'm pulling it up right now so I'm buying time and they're both on pace for 15 touchdowns so like if, if that's what you're gonna get and those numbers are gonna go down because you know eventually 
after this week, I would say, you know, you get Jackson Smith and Jigba back for the Michigan State game. Um, those guys aren't going to put up at that that kind of pace. But, like, when, when you can get that type of production from guys, and uh, here it is right here. Mecca Buka's on pace for 78 catches for 1,326 yards, 15 touchdowns. Harrison's on pace for 63 catches, 1,161 yards, and 15 touchdowns. There's a path that, like, if Smith and Jigba, when he gets back into the lineup and he starts beasting out, like, could they do three 1,000-yard receivers? I don't know. It's going to be tough, but uh, with the pace that those first two are on, uh, they're, they're going to have a shot at it and a shot at at least 1,000-yard rusher, too. So this offense is really fun to watch, and, and those receivers, uh, Ibuka in, in particular, uh, he was just he was all over the place. Uh, he can, he's great after the catch. He can go over the middle. Uh, he can take a hit, which we saw late in the game. Uh, if there's any complaint that I have from Saturday, it's just like, why were the guys in the game? What was it, 45 to seven? There, there was no need for that. But uh, for Ibuka, six catches, 118 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, they're just they didn't look like they missed a beat at all. Um, and when you're without a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, that is, that's an embarrassment of riches. And you add into the fact that, uh, Marvin Harrison, like I said, had only three catches for 45 yards, but then you got Julian Fleming, four catches, 67 yards, a touchdown. How awesome is it? Just putting aside the numbers, uh, just to see Julian Fleming in the lineup and healthy taking hits making plays, scoring touchdowns. Uh, I think his longest catch, whatever it was, like 20, 25 yards, where he just totally juked a dude and then uh, went up the left sideline there. That's great to see. And uh, he's going to be another big piece. And, hey, when Smith and Jigba comes back, like how does that look? I don't know. But now they have uh, depth, and they have guys who are starting to prove it on a game-by-game basis. So that's that's got to be really scary for uh, for any opposing defense, no matter how good you are, and that's without even taking into account uh, Cade Stover, who, like I, I'll say, I'll be the first one to say apologies to him, and it was never a reflection on like what he could or couldn't do, but I think myself and a lot of other people, like all preseason, I kept saying I don't want to hear about the tight ends. We hear about the tight ends every off season until they actually do it. Uh, I'm not gonna believe it. Well, it's it would appear that Ryan Day wasn't lying this offseason about uh, the usage of tight ends. We keep seeing Mitch Rossi at that fullback slash H-back role too, but Cade Stover is a legitimate part to this passing game. He's a legitimate threat. He had four catches for uh, 51 yards, two touchdowns. What a beautiful play call on the bootleg uh, by Stroud there to pull both of those defenders and then had a second touchdown where he he tried to dive over the defender and got flipped ass over tea kettle and Cade Stover man he took some vicious shots on Saturday that one uh there was a play over the middle um there were a couple plays over the middle where he took some hard hits one was in the end zone where it just like it looked right in his ribs and the Wisconsin safety just like got his shoulder pad or his helmet right into his ribs and he got up. He is a tough son of a bitch. So it was great to see him score a couple of touchdowns, have some uh, receptions. And hey, man, 
the more threats this offense has. Like I, I don't know how many more you could you could need or possibly want to at this point. How do they have just one ball to spread out to all of these playmakers? But this truly is becoming an offense where anybody is a threat, and it's not just uh, the coaches or the players saying like, "Oh, we could throw the ball to Kate Stover or Julian Fleming, or uh, we could get Mayan Williams involved." Like, no, everybody is involved and we're seeing that on the field and I just I don't know how you play defense against that especially uh, when the line is playing well and that is the most important part to all this and we'll we'll go back here in a little bit about what I said uh, post Arkansas State and how fired up I was maybe that was a little bit of an overreaction and hey that's that's Ohio State fandom like what what are we if not overreactive and aggressively passionate but the offensive line on Saturday night was spectacular they were dominant uh and putting aside like how they were in pass protection and yeah I've watched through the Skycam broadcast once so I don't have any like I can't give you any expert analysis on how they did in pass protection but uh what they did in the ground game man 258 yards rushing six a pop both Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams went over 100 yards. First time that's happened. First time Ohio State's had two players go over go over 100 yards in the same game since 2019. Um, look, I, I stand by how I felt after the Arkansas State game because I don't think it was good. But they bulldozed a strong Wisconsin front. And that was the best they've looked in quite a while. And if that's how they're going to play... This offense is pretty close to untouchable. I mean, there were there were cars or cars. There were holes the size of cars. Like you could have driven through some of the holes that the offensive line um, was making. And I, I also think with without um, acting like I know more than I do, I, I think that uh, Ryan Day and the play design. I'm I'm trying not to sound overly smart because I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I think that Ryan Day put them in a position to succeed as well. I think that was kind of the line, the run game, uh, the execution, and with what Day was calling. It all worked together, and it feels like it was the first time that all of it has worked to that degree, probably since 2019, or I guess if you want to you wanna throw in uh, what Trey Sermon did. And I, I think I said that after the Notre Dame game maybe, but like, that really felt like their best rushing performance in a long time because it wasn't just uh, Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson breaking tackles and kind of doing it all themselves. Like, no, there were times where a bunch of times where they weren't getting touched uh, until like four yards down the field, five yards down the field. And there hasn't, there wasn't many like huge runs. Mayan Williams had the one up the right sideline where there was a hole you could fit an 18 wheeler through, but, uh, that's that's okay to me because those big runs will come, especially with Henderson. I'm not worried about them being able to break explosive runs as the season goes on. I, I think that'll come and they're ramping up. But the fact that they can just get like, there was a lot of second and fours on Saturday. And that is exactly what you want for any offense, but especially for an offense that has the potential to be as overly dominant as this one is. So like I, I kept seeing second and four, second and three, uh, and when you when you give Stroud in the offense those situations to work with, 
there really isn't a defense who's going to be able to do much about that. So it was awesome to see the run game uh, play like that. And the offensive line deserves a lot of credit. So I'll walk back my slander from the Arkansas State game. But um, if that's how they're going to play, man, we're in for a special offensive season. Um, And kind of just, I talked about him a little bit, but as an extension of that, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, I said they both went over 100 yards. And I've seen um, a few places in here and there on Twitter and a few places online that there's a lot of Henderson versus Mayan Williams talk right now. Who's better? Who should be getting more carries? Uh, whether Williams has surpassed Henderson and he should be getting more carries. Is you know Henderson isn't breaking uh, the long runs that he was last year. They kind of talked about it on the, the broadcast about how Henderson is trying to find that sweet spot between just being a home run hitter and being able to hit singles and doubles. Um, and I, I think that I, I don't really have a take either way on that um, because you're going to need both of them. And they both do stuff that I think is unique. And when you're able to rotate between those two guys, uh, that just provides you so many opportunities to gash a defense. Travion Henderson doesn't have a catch this season. And he certain most certainly will not finish the season uh, without a catch. That has not been a part of the repertoire right now. Um, so th- there's still stuff out there on the table that I think they haven't even done uh, with this run game. And as an extension to that, just the each of these guys in the passing game outside of that one uh, that one screen that Day called for for Williams in the Arkansas State game. But outside of that, like. I think both of those guys are playing at a really high level and have been all season, even when the line hasn't played great. Um, Mayan Williams made some crazy cuts in the secondary uh, that Wisconsin just did not have an answer for. His lateral movement for a player with his build is kind of comical. It looks funny, but he is not. If you would just see him on the field and you hadn't watched Ohio State, you would think, like, okay, that's the guy they bring in for uh, short yardage like he's the bruiser like no he can he can break him too uh and that was a really more than solid game for him that was that was a uh maybe his most consistent performance of his career so far I don't know if that was his career high in rushing but um he, the way he was able to really have burst not only north south but east west uh is is just fun to watch from a player of his build and then Henderson too like if you looked at his stat line, you probably, after the game, you probably were like, he had 121 yards rushing? Like, because he, he wasn't breaking those home run plays, and that's what it was a lot, or if if more than that, like all of last year was him just kind of breaking those home run plays. But no, he's finding that consistency. Um, and so that paired with what the line does, and then uh, maybe most importantly, with what Ryan Day is calling, like it felt like he had an answer for pretty much everything that Wisconsin tried to do to limit them, whether it was through the air or on the ground. So like everything worked at probably about as perfect as it could. And there, that's just not realistic to expect that to happen every single game. But if they get 80% of that, I just, I don't know how many teams, if any, any defenses can slow down this offense enough to be able to score with them. That was an ideal game from this offense, and that should be uh, the blueprint. And those are pretty much all my thoughts on the the offense. Uh, what a what a difference between this podcast and the Arkansas State one. But 
there, there's nothing for me to even look at and really nitpick with the offense from this one. Uh, of course, there's always plays that you're going to look at and be like, oh, the what if the Wisconsin linebacker picks that ball off from Stroud or, you know, whatever. Uh, there was a I saw a pretty egregious missed holding call on one of the early Ohio State State drives, but like that's football shit, man. That stuff happens. But when you score fifty two points and put up a complete offensive performance like that, uh, even me, I, I'm not gonna nitpick uh, anything. Before I talk about the defense, I want to let you know to subscribe to the podcast, Two Stripes Podcast on Apple, Spotify. SoundCloud, if you go to soundcloud.com slash two stripes pod, you can find Scarlet and Gray Stripes and every episode of the Two Stripes podcast there. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple and Spotify and leave a star rating on both of them because you can do that on Spotify now. And uh, share it with your friends. If they like Ohio State or just general college football stuff, uh, share the podcast there. Also, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Colton Denning. Got all the highlights from the Wisconsin game up there. Uh, I got Skycam highlights up there. Um, and then if you go to twostripecpd.com, you can read my 15 takeaways from the week. And that has a link to the full Skycam broadcast in there. So the number two, stripecpd.com. And you can find all my, uh, all my takeaways and the full Skycam broadcast. And of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel because a lot more fun stuff uh, coming up throughout this whole season. Hits of the week, week four on Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. I think that's that's all I have to plug. So let's talk about the defense. Um, here's here's my here's my one takeaway. It's that Wisconsin's offense isn't very good. They're not very good. They don't look like they have an identity, which is crazy to say about Wisconsin, and they kind of just look lost. But in saying that, that doesn't take away the fact that Ohio State played really well, and especially the defensive front in particular. Like, the Ohio State's front seven, somebody said it to me on Twitter, like, they're borderline elite, they're borderline dominant right now. Uh, They're able to knife through interior and interiors of offensive lines no matter who they're playing and disrupt running plays uh disrupt passing plays they haven't really played a good passing offense yet which like i I still don't think we've we haven't gotten to see the pass rush because none of the teams that they've played really i mean outside of maybe toledo are able to do that effectively so i i think you shouldn't be totally worried about the lack of sacks that'll that'll come but uh the defensive line man they're they are dominant, and they, they go about, it feels like, eight or nine, maybe ten deep, um, and they're just able to pretty much do whatever they want. Uh, and you had the linebackers with that, too. Tommy Eichenberg was everywhere. He was probably the player of the game for the defense. Uh, Steel Chambers, too, everywhere. They're able to run side to side and disrupt a lot of things. Um, so even though I don't think Wisconsin's offense is very good, that doesn't take away from uh, – how the defense played and what I think about the front seven. And uh, you look at the raw numbers for Wisconsin um, and it's really just that late Braylon Allen touchdown run. Cause it was 52 to 14 at the time ends up scoring that 75 yarder and it makes it 52 to 21. Uh, the Wisconsin numbers with that play 56 plays, 296 yards, 
5.29 yards per play. And that, that isn't great at all, uh, but that's 192 yards rushing, 104 yards passing. Without that, Wisconsin has 55 plays, 221 yards, 117 rushing, and 4.1 yards per play. That's pretty and, – and I know, and I talked about this in the Arkansas State game, I get that a lot of people are like, well, you can't just take out plays. The game was 52-14. to 14. Like, that – I'm not looking at Ohio State's defense at the end of the year and being like, oh, well, the Braylon Allen play. Like, no, that that really doesn't count. That that didn't amount to anything because the second and third string were in there. That doesn't give us an accurate, accurate snapshot of anything that Ohio State's defense did. So, like, technically, they gave up 192 yards rushing – at 4.5.4 yards per carry but in reality it was 117 yards rushing and 3.4 yards per carry that one that one play added a full two yards per carry to Wisconsin's offense so there's a much better way of of looking at it even though I know you can't just hey take out this play but no you can when it's a blowout because that wasn't against anybody of note uh that you would see in like a close game so um, it was a dominant day from the defense, and they were able to do that without Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown. And, you know, like maybe, again, you scale that back to Wisconsin, like if they had any sort of passing game or any sort of uh, threats out wide, or I guess just a better quarterback, uh, maybe that would have meant more. But Wisconsin only challenged those corners a few times down the field, and I thought that nobody really got toasted. Uh, Tanner McAllister, kudos to him on that early interception on Wisconsin's first drive. Um, I'd love to see him making plays. I've said that he's the the wild card for this defense and having his experience in there is huge for them. Um, and then he had that hit at the end of the, the first half where he turned his hips and I, it was a hit and the Wisconsin receiver, he probably should have caught it, but it was a nice recovery by McAllister there um, to, I thought he was the best player in the back end um, to compliment everybody in the front, whether it was JTT Jack Sawyer, Teron Vincent made a couple of really nice plays. And then, like I said, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. But it's it's hard to really have a ton of thoughts about the cornerbacks given who uh, they were playing. But it's it's really just fun to watch this defense fly around and have fun. Like, it's just such a stark difference between the last couple of years where everything just it felt like a grind. And I, I don't know where we're at with Ryan Day's uh, proclamation of being like top five defense, but uh, for them to just be as good as they are, it's it's really fun and it's it's like it's kind of sad to look back and be like, man, we couldn't have even had just like this or something close to this for the last couple of years. But I, I love watching these guys because they just look confident and they look like they're having fun for the first time in a in a long time. Uh, but but outside of that, I, do, I don't have a ton of. Uh, super like takeaways about them going forward just because of just how much of a mess Wisconsin is. And like, I don't have any Ohio state complaints on this episode of the show, but if I were a Wisconsin podcaster, I would have a ton because uh, I don't know what they're doing offensively. Uh, the interception that Mertz threw to McAllister was awful. And if you go watch it on the sky cam, like, I, I don't know if it was his fault or the receiver's fault, if he was supposed to sit down on a hitch instead of running it out like he did. It was terrible. Uh, wh- whoever's fault it was, that that was really bad. And 
uh, the wildcat thing that they kept doing with Braylon Allen. Like, I, I don't get what was up with that. Like, I'm getting very, and I said this on Twitter, I'm getting real Mark, late Michigan State Mark D'Antonio era vibes from Paul Christ, where uh, the most creativity they have is just like, okay, well, we put Braylon Allen in the wildcat, and it's like, well, you're going to have to do more than that. And when it doesn't work, he's just like, I got creative, guys. What do you want from me? Um, I, I just I didn't understand anything Wisconsin did on offense, and uh, they they look they look lost, and they they aren't scary. And regardless of all the success Ohio State has had against them now for you know whatever the last time they lost to them was in 2010, like I feel like we all collectively, anytime Ohio State plays Wisconsin, we're just like oh shit, like they're in for a fight. Wisconsin's gonna punch them in the mouth and. It'll be a close game for three quarters, and we'll all look back at it and be like, it's a tough win against a good Wisconsin team because we've seen it over and over again with a few exceptions, 2014 Big Ten title being one of them. But more often than not, Wisconsin's at least able to show some fight, and they didn't even do that. Like I think they played better in the 2014 Big Ten title game without scoring a point than they did on Saturday, which like may sound crazy because they scored 21 points, but... Uh, what we saw from them or what I saw from them, I guess, because this is just my opinion, like that didn't look like Wisconsin football. And the times I've watched them this year, nothing about them looks like Wisconsin football. Teams aren't scared to play against their offense. And regardless of, you know, they've never really been the explosive passing team uh, or had that type of, you know, vibe to to their game but it it just feels like teams aren't afraid of anything they do and they have one of the best running backs in the country and teams are just like okay whatever do do what you want like we're gonna we'll play more physical than you which is kind of crazy um so yeah that's my that's my wisconsin rant there was just like it was kind of sad because wisconsin's one of those rare big 10 teams like i i don't have any animosity towards wisconsin and so for them to look so damn bad like i I was kind of sad for them um, and it's probably time for Paul Chris to go. It's I said that on Twitter. Like it's time to have that conversation. I've seen a few Wisconsin fans on my timeline say it. Like, I think it's time to shift to Jim Leonard because they just look like again they're not Wisconsin uh, football. But that isn't taking any credit away from Ohio State because they deserve it for what uh, they did on on both sides of the ball. And Wisconsin still has good fronts on both lines of scrimmage, and for Ohio State to dominate like that was uh pretty awesome but I, I do want to see them play a legitimately good offense and there's not a ton on this schedule outside of i think maryland and, and michigan to end the year and we'll see uh michigan as their schedule ramps up like they didn't look the best o- outside of blake Corm in the offensive line but like jj mccarthy didn't look awesome against maryland but um i think the defense is continuing to get better and the front is monstrous we just need to see more from the secondary uh, they just don't play a lot of good quarterbacks on this schedule. So, and maybe that can be a blessing uh, too, that it can just kind of help build depth. And, you know, hopefully Cam Brown and uh, Denzel Burt are able to come back sooner rather than later. But if it's later, like, hey, you got some time to, to help build some depth and uh, make this thing stronger as uh, the season goes on. And like I said, Wisconsin isn't great like no I don't think any of us are going to lie to ourselves on that but again this is what title winning teams do to teams like Wisconsin you win big 
and you dominate and you don't give the other team a second to breathe. You're on their ass right away and you put the game away. And that's exactly uh, what they did. And that leads into uh, Rutgers. And again, this should be a little, not to put this out into the, into the universe and jinx it, but like they should be able to have a little bit of a break this week against Rutgers and get healthier, build some depth. Uh, there's no reason for Jackson Smith and Jigba to play this week. You might as well keep him fresh, uh, and hopefully he's back for that Michigan State game. And if not, then you have the bye. So you have, whatever, four straight weeks of rest. And I've been saying it all year. Like The numbers this year don't matter for Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, if he comes back in the lineup and he's able to make plays, he can have 700 yards receiving this year and be just fine. He'll he'll still go high in the draft. Uh, at this point, it's about getting him healthy. And same for everybody else that's uh, banged up, either on the offense or the defense. So uh, I'll be back to break that game down after Ohio State plays Rutgers. And I'm kind of, uh, kind of, I'm always, I've always been one of those people who's like, I'd, I'd love for Ohio State to play as many night games as possible for the recruiting and the atmosphere. But uh, selfishly, I'm also like, well, let's get a little. Let's get a little earlier in the day so I can spend my nights watching other games and drinking beer. And I know the Rutgers game is, uh, is, is it a, it's, I think it's noon my time, uh, but it's better than like playing Rutgers at night, which they've done at least once or twice. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to like the, the noon to maybe, you know, 9am my time game. So I'm happy for that this week against Rutgers, but I'll break down that game uh, next week afterwards so hopefully it'll be another big ohio state win guys stay healthy you build up some depth that's it i'm gonna try to get out of here Uh, i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the show i'll be back in a couple days with a scarlet or not a scarlet and gray stripes a two stripes podcast talking about every other game uh just previewing week five coming up here um so if you want to hear me talk about not ohio state that is your chance uh subscribe to the show apple spotify Go to soundcloud.com soundcloud.com slash two stripes pod. Uh, follow along on the YouTube channel. Subscribe there for all the highlights. Um, go to two stripescpd.com. Read my 15 takeaways. Click the link to watch the Skycam video if that's something you're interested in. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I'm kind of pissed I didn't talk about Marvin Harrison shoes, so I might as well do it here right before I get out. Um, cause that's, that's in my takeaway. Uh, it was funny to see him with the, the Louis Vuitton painted all over the cleats and then come out in the second half, which presumably like somebody from Ohio state got a call from somebody in Oregon or possibly from France that was like, Hey, uh, you guys need to get, he's going to need to take those shoes off. Um, so that, that was funny. And I hope somebody on the Ohio state beat asks Ryan day about that. And I also like in the back of my brain have an inkling, like what if, what if Marvin Harrison Jr. has a secret Louis Vuitton NIL deal that we just don't know about? That is my galaxy brain uh, conspiracy thought. Is that like, what if he already has an NIL deal with LV and uh, they just did that to get exposure? It's a long shot, but anything is possible in 2022. So who knows? But I need more answers so we can get to the bottom of this story about Marvin Harrison's cleats. That's really what this whole podcast should have been about. So I, I, I want to follow up on that and to see if any other players around the country uh, do anything similar after seeing Marvin Harrison Jr. do that. But on that note, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I'm going to 
watch some Monday Night Football. I hope you guys enjoy uh, your night and the start to your week. I'll be back later this week with an episode of the Two Stripes podcast. And then on Sunday, be right back here on Scarlet and Gray Stripes to talk Ohio State, Rutgers, and recap that game and anything else that happens in college football in week five. But until then, I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Take it easy. My name is Colton Denning. This is Scarlet and Gray Stripes. And most importantly of all, as always, go Bucks.